Well, I want to. Um, I've got two messages here, so luckily we got plenty of time. We'll see. We'll see if we get to the to the second one. Um, I do want to t- uh, before we um, and really the the second message would be just kind of continuation of where we at and renewing our mind. But you know, there's a scripture in a in a. Second John, I believe it says, may you prosper even as your soul prospers. It's either Second John or Third John, I can't remember. Um, it's like verse 2 or 3. But, you know, there's something about um, when our soul is well, um, that we prosper. And prosper means all kinds of different things. Don't. It's not just about money. Uh, it's certainly way bigger than that way bigger than anything that's so material and earthly, but, um, you know, that you'll prosper in every way. And so, uh, what is your soul? Um, your soul is your mind, your emotions, and your will. I mean, it's uh, the, the part of you that's, that uh, is in charge of those things. And so, when, you're, when your thinking is right, when your thinking is well, then uh, you prosper with the goodness and the presence of God. And so what an amazing uh what an amazing song of course written out of the depth of a really hard time a, a huge huge loss in in uh in this man's life uh, I believe it's Horatio Spafford wrote uh, it as well if I'm not mixing it up and he had lost uh his wife and his daughters I believe I, I always mix it up somehow and as he rode on the boat over the place where they went into the sea and and were killed uh, he he wrote this hymn, and so one of the reasons why that one's so powerful. Whenever you pull it out at, at the right time, that that uh, it's written out of a place of experiencing God's presence and goodness in the midst of tragedy. And so I want to talk just a minute, um, kind of about that that subject. Um, and. You may or may not have experienced anything very closely this week with what happened. And, and here's the other thing. There's other things happening that didn't make the news. I mean, that's, that's the thing to be aware of, too. This is a very public, well-known uh, tragedy that happened. But there's, there's quieter tragedies that didn't even make it on the 10 o'clock news um, because of this story. And, and, you know, I mean, this made it to a national story. Not the way I wanted Midland to make it onto CNN and Fox News Amen. Let's we'll make. But you know what? There's there's been a huge response by by the community. I was at a prayer uh, candlelight vigil last night. There's a whole lot of people packed in the downtown Midland um, praying together and um, just uh, honoring uh, honoring the fallen, um, lifting up those who um, were injured and still remain who've gone through so much. But <clears throat> I want to answer. Uh, I want to debunk a thing that many times we as believers say that's not biblical, that's not true. Um, and that's this, and we'll we'll get around to this. This may be the only message, so we'll see. Um, it's this phrase, and I've heard it, and I maybe have even used it. <clears throat> Everything happens for a reason. You ever heard that? Everything happens for a reason? You know that's not biblical, right? You do now. 
You know, if everything happened for a reason, that means that God is the source of all those things that are happening. Right? The God I know is not the source of sickness. The God I know is not the source of abuse. The God I know is not the source of tragedy and death. You know, when Jesus uh, was on the earth, he had a close friend of his die. You remember uh, Lazarus? You ever heard of him? It's in John chapter 11. And I'll never forget a saying that I heard from a, a previous pastor of mine. Uh, Maybe one of the few things I remember. Um, I'm sure you remember everything I say. So, <laughs> But it really it stuck out to me because I'd never heard this before. But it was on the, the shortest verse in the Bible. You know what the shortest verse in the Bible is, anybody? Jesus wept. It's the, you're, if you've got to pick a memory verse and you need it real quick, just pick Jesus wept, John 11.35. I, I got a scripture memorized. And you know, we, as a kid, you hear that. It's, uh, if you grow up in church, you hear that's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's kind of the, the joke like I just made, right? You know, it's, hey, Jesus wept, you know, shortest verse. But he said, why do you think Jesus wept? Why was Jesus weeping? Was it because Lazarus was dead? Well, did Jesus, let me ask you this question. If you know the end of the story, we know that Jesus raised Lazarus back to life. Do you think Jesus know, knew what he was going to do? He probably did. He probably knew what he was going to do. So he's probably not crying because Lazarus is dead because he's about to raise him from the dead in just a couple of minutes. And a former pastor of mine said this. He said, it's not my dad. He said, he said I believe Jesus wept because it was never supposed to be this way. And in that moment, in that death, and in the sorrow he saw in those that were very close friends to him, he wept not for Lazarus, but for the human race, because it was never supposed to be this way. And you know what? There's not a reason for everything. Some things happen that are not reasonable. Some things happen that are senseless. We're in a broken world. And you, may, and you may have said that phrase and your heart was right. It's not about, trying, oh my gosh, I've said that or I believe that. Or, no, don't, don't condemn yourself. Don't get all weird on that. It's just a matter of, here's the deal. But God is able to give reason to anything. See the difference? There's a big difference between everything has a reason and God working for good and giving reason to something that was very tragic. Because it's a whole, it's a, it changes it around to where if everything is for a reason, then you know what? The logical, people who don't know the Lord, what they logically think if you say that is, God killed my dad. He took my dad when I was only 11. Like one of these, uh, one of these veterans that was killed this week. I mean, the only reason a lot of things happen is because we're just in a broken world. We're not in we're in the not yet. There's a now and not yet to God's kingdom. There's a now where we experience God's presence and God's power and God's forgiveness, but there's still a not yet because you know what? It, there's still brokenness in this world. There's still pain in this world. 
And God's heart is still grieved. And He's a Redeemer. He will take anything and work it for the, for the best and for the good. In the midst of those circumstances. But He doesn't stand back and say there was a reason for that. No. There was no reason other than the fall, fall of man. Other than sin. If you want to blame anyone, blame yourself. Blame ourselves as the human race. We invited destruction into the world. We're the ones who did it. We're the ones who had the authority. God gave Adam dominion over the earth. And then he turned it over to the devil. And so why does the devil have any, um, any leeway or any power to do anything? Well, it was given to him. Delegated, it was de- the authority was delegated to him by Adam. And now Jesus, as the second Adam... It says that in Romans that Jesus was, you know, kind of like a second Adam. He came and lived a perfect life, paid the penalty for sin, and was killed in our place so that we might be forgiven and redeemed. And now it says he has the keys to hell and death. But we're still in a not yet. It totally hasn't been realized yet. So that's why there's, why bad things still happen. Why does tragedy still strike? We're still in the... There's some of the now, but there's a not yet. There's a greater reality to come. There's a greater experience to come. It's a great invitation to heaven. It's a great, you know, that's why, I mean, there's, you've heard people long and say, um, you know, when you're young, let me go back a little bit. When you're young, and we're kind of going off the, the cuff here, you understand. When you're, when you're young, you kind of think, man, I want Jesus to come back, but, but after this, whatever that this is. It could be like, you know, getting married. That was always one I thought, God, I just want to get married. <laughs> Don't come back yet. I've gotten married yet. Uh, maybe it's having kids or... You know, I don't know, whatever experience or thing you value. You may say, oh God, don't, don't, don't come back until I've had that happen. But the more you walk with the Lord... And the more you're aware of the reality of what goes on in this world, there's a part of you that says, man, come Lord Jesus. You know what? Rescue us here. And I think there's a, that's for everybody who's a follower of Jesus, that's a natural longing for us sometimes just go, man, Lord, I just want to be with you. I mean, Paul said, man, I desire, I, I earnestly just desire to go be with the Lord. But he says, I need to be with you. But man, I, if, if I was given the opportunity, I'd be there in a heartbeat. You know, as we sang, as we sang some of these, one of these songs today, um, a couple of them were hard to sing uh, just because of emotions and stuff. But uh, I don't know that I played the song Made Me Glad very many times since my mom's funeral. And that's one of the songs I pl- we played and worshiped with at her funeral. And so it was just kind of in that middle, like, oh, God, I miss her, but... Lord, I'm longing for my true citizenship, my true, true place in heaven, where, where, everything's going to be, where everything's going to be good. You know, it says every tear will be wiped away. You know, I think there'll be tears in heaven, but whatever shows up, it's going to be wiped away because it's going to be some tears of joy. And any pain at that moment is going to be just totally um, washed away from our, from our lives. Um, Psalm 34, 18. Daryl, can you shoot that one up there for me, buddy? 
Psalm 34, 18 says this. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's an awesome scripture right there. I was at the hospital on Thursday night um, after the accident. There was a, many of you may not know, but a Greg, Greg Long's niece and her husband, his nephew by marriage, uh, were on the float. They were in the accident. And uh, they, were in, they were, by God's grace and mercy, in the front. And they were thrown from, from, the, from the vehicle as, as the crash happened. He's partially paralyzed from the war. And so he wasn't able to just get off. And so he was thrown. And so I went up there just to, just to see, what was, see if they were there and see what was going on with them. I hadn't heard. Uh, Sarah called me. And, uh, you know, the place was, was a, a zoo. You couldn't go in normal places. You could go in. They're like, what are you trying to do? I'm like, I'm just trying to get into somebody. I'm, I don't want to get arrested, you know. And, you know, it, logically there was that st- kind of stuff going on. They didn't just want people wandering in. And so finally we, I, I, I was, uh, found the place where they were at. They ended up, uh, I mean, here's how God works. God works in the midst of these. Uh, they ended up in Stephanie's section. If you don't know, Greg is Stephanie's daughter. So Stephanie was with her cousin uh, in the Heart Institute because they opened up different areas to help all the people that were coming in all at once. So they ended up in the Heart Institute where she, where she works. I mean, there's the goodness of God right there working to where when they were brought into the hospital right away, they saw a familiar face. They saw family with them. And so went in and, and you know, was, was there for a little while. Uh, but the one I was struck as, as I'd wandered the halls trying to figure out, trying to find somebody to direct me where I could find... Uh, you know, our church family that was here. And, uh, you know, Glenda Richardson was very involved in the Hunt for Heroes as well, and Sean Spencer, and uh, so they were, they were helping people. I mean, there was, so, there was so much going on, but you know what? The presence of the Lord in the hospital, and I don't know if it was just me, but it was, it was intense. Turn me up, guy. She can't hear me. The presence of the Lord in that hospital was just so strong. It was just, you know, and I was like, Lord, you, you were so there in that place, in that moment, in the, in the people's time of need. You were there when people were hurting. And there was all kinds of ministry going on. There was all kinds of people praying together. And you could see people talking and ministering to people. I mean, there was, you know, God was releasing His servants all over the place. It was, it was truly uh, an awesome thing to see. Um, to see our city and our people respond, especially those that know the Lord. And, uh, but, you know, it, it made me think of this verse as I was praying later. It just, I, I was like, man, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I didn't even know where it was. I had to you know, look it up on the Bible gateway. But how true it is that in the middle of a, of a time where we feel like the worst thing has happened in our life, that's where God is close. And sometimes, you know, can God be any closer than He already is? Well, <sighs> Yeah, it sure seems like it. Maybe we're just more aware. 
But God is close to the brokenhearted. You know, there's another scripture in, in Psalms that's, that's beautiful as well. Psalm 147, 3 uh, says this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And you know, again, this is just a public tragedy that makes us more aware, a little bit more aware than some things. But like I said earlier, there's the, there's the things that happen every week in neighborhoods in Midland, all over Texas, all over our nation, all over our world. And aren't you, aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit, that God is working in the midst of those things, that, that He's there? And I know the question some people have is, Man, God, if you were there, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you stop it before it happened, oh God? Hey, that's a, that's a, that's a valid question. That's a valid question to ask. We kind of asked that question when my mom died. Man, we prayed, we did everything, and many of you have done that with family members as well. You pray, you, don't, you, know, you, you stand, you quote scripture, you worship, you sing, you do whatever you know to do. And I, I remember that, man, in, in, in that, I walk in that hospice room with my mom and just like, golly, the Holy Spirit is just all over this place. Can you please do something, Lord? <laughs> you know, I mean, really, in your mind, you're kind of like, wait, this is great. I'm glad you're hanging out here, God, but would you please do something? Anybody ever felt like that before? Sometimes we just don't know. I'm not going to give you an answer. I don't know. I know I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to give you the answers, right? There's some times where we just have to say, God, I don't know. But I know you. And I know you're good. Man, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that I had never seen before that, I, that would have probably, I'd read before, I've read through it several times in my life. And uh, let me look it up here so I actually read it correctly. But I don't think it would have meant as much to me and the reality of it wouldn't have been experienced if I had not have been in a place of grief, just because I think it's kind of a verse where if you haven't been been there, then it, it doesn't make any sense. And then we'll see if I can find it here. Um, hmm. Where's the Keep looking, John. There it is. Let's see. No. Okay, I can't find it. So here's the here's the gist of it. And if you may know where it is, you know what I'm talking about. Wisdom is in the house of mourning. In Ecclesiastes. Um. It said the gist of it is something like this, that. Wisdom is in the house of mourning, but fools are in the house of pleasure.
You know, there's some things you only get from God and experience from God in a time of grief and mourning. You get to know God. He gets bigger for you. He didn't grow. He doesn't change. But you have a bigger revelation of who he is. And sometimes in that time of mourning, that's where God can reveal himself in an even greater way. And you can go, God, you're bigger. You're, you're, you really are good. You have to let go of the anger. You have to let go of the, the blame and all that kind of stuff. And there's questions and stuff. That, and that's part of the process of any time that you have, a, have grief going on in your life. That, uh, but if you go through that process, if you allow yourself to be honest with God... And honest with one another, you know, you don't always have to say, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good because I'm a Christian. I'm always good, right? <laughs> Seven, four. I wasn't far enough here. Let, let me read this section for you it's in case I messed it up. Okay, here we go. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. And right before that it says, it's better to go to a house of mourning, verse 2, than go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Why would it be better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting? Man, there's some things you get when you're in that place with God. If you, if you draw near to him, because he's near. It says the, the, if you're brokenhearted, it says the Lord is near to you in that moment. I think there's just a special, God just sends a special presence. I just think he, it's his, his goodness and his love, his desire. He just says, I'm there in a special way with you in those times. That's why it could be said, hey, it's better to go to the house of mourning because it's an encounter with the living God. It's an encounter with the goodness of God. It's an encounter with the grace of God and the mercy of God. And if, if you've never been in that place, I suggest you don't need to go find it. You don't need to go find that place and, and try, to, try to make it happen. If tragedy hasn't struck you, if you've had a, a blessed life and haven't experienced hard things, hey, thank the Lord for that. But if it ever does come, know that He's near. You know, Isaiah 61 is an amazing um, you know, prophetic scripture about the ministry of Jesus and Jesus coming. It says the spirit of the, verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, this is what Jesus is doing all the time. And here's the cool part. If we're not the one being ministered to, we have the opportunity to join with the ministry of Jesus in binding up the brokenhearted. You, 
You know how it's sometimes been said in, in church, and I don't even know if this is really true. It's certainly not true in our church. But uh, the church is the only place where you shoot your wounded. I mean, I, I think it's hap- it certainly happened in the church. So, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, we're so quick to, to judge someone or what, you know, they end up in a place, um, you know, and if everything happens for a reason, you know, well, maybe that's God's judgment on you or different things. I, just, I, I want to be real careful about declaring anything as God's judgment, even if it's a big storm. I just want to be careful. Probably because I'm just not, I'm not smart enough to figure that stuff out. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be too quick to say, oh, that was, hey, that, I don't want to put God's name on anything that's not Him. Because we're in a broken world. Are the things that happen, man, that, that God says, hey, this is enough, we're moving on from this? Yeah. You know, Herod says God killed Herod. I mean, it says he, he dropped dead on the spot. So there's things that happen. How could God be good and do that? Well, Herod had all his chances. He wasn't going to change. God knew he wasn't going to change. And so because God's good to spare the people who were still alive, Herod's time had to be done. God is good all the time. He's working for the greatest good in our world. You know, I think a God God that allows free will... And some things happen that aren't in his control, but is still able to work everything, like it says in Ephesians, according to the purpose of his plan, is bigger than a God who has to control every single little thing that happens in the world and is in charge of all those things happening. It doesn't mean that God's not sovereign. It just means he's bigger than the little sovereign that we see as controlling everything. You know, when, we, when we're in charge, we want to control everything. We want, to, we want to make sure everything happens. You try to hold on. We realize that we're not sovereign. But we still try sometimes. We still, we still make the effort. <laughs> we still give it that good college try. And we try to make sure that everything's in a row. It's all lined up. And our plan's all set out. We've got our kids and all this and our grandkids and how it's going to happen. And, and this is how it's going to work. And the longer you live, you realize that that doesn't work. Some of us, as we grow older, we try harder. We get caught in the pattern of, so, hey, the problem is it's my effort. I haven't tried hard enough. So I'm going to try harder to make sure that everything works together like I want. But God's saying, look, I'm the only one that can work with people making their free choices, with people choosing to do things on their own that are apart from my will, that I'm able to work for good. Only a sovereign God can do that. Only a great and powerful God can do that. He can work in the midst of tragedy. He can work in the midst of brokenness. Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And so that's why, I mean, I think the, the ministry... Uh, the word and picture that, that the Holy Spirit released to, to my wife was, was so powerful because I, I really believe that, you know, in those times when the wind is knocked out of you, that Jesus is there. You know, some people, a part of inner healing for some people, I mean, if you've had something really tragic happen in your life, sometimes it's a tragic loss or abuse or just some kind of, 
maybe even like a tragic like accident, like literally like a like a car accident or something. There's there's you know, post traumatic stress syndrome is real. It's a real thing. It's not greater than Jesus. I believe it can be it can be healed, people can be freed from it, but hey, it's a it's a reality. Um when something traumatic happens, there's uh there's the devil there making it even more traumatic and, and planning lies and all kinds of destruction in people's lives when that happens. But sometimes it, it's amazing when people really begin to be healed on the inside of the brokenness that happens in their lives. It's when there's a revelation of where Jesus was in the moment when those things happened. That we weren't abandoned. That we weren't abandoned. Jesus says, surely I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And you know, today, you may not, you know, you may be having a great week. Praise the Lord for that. Thank Him for that. Uh, But we've, just as a community, we've been reminded that, you know, that there's things that happen all the time that break our hearts. And for us to allow the Lord to, for us to be sensitive in those moments to where were the hands and feet of Jesus in those places. And I saw lots of hands and feet of Jesus uh, in the hospital on Thursday. God was moving in the hospital. God was doing things in the midst of tragedy. Do we have all the answers? Probably not going to have all the answers on earth. Some things that you can't answer why. And you just have to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have to just trust you because you're good. If you are in that place, I encourage you to go to the house of mourning. Some people never go to that place of mourning and so they never find healing. If you've never grieved a loss in your life, you know, loss happens in many ways in our lives. It can be a lost relationship. I mean, that could you be from, you know, a close relationship like a marriage where there's a divorce. It could be just a friendship. It could be a loss of a, of a close friend where something happened in the relationship and now there's no friendship. You know, that's something that you need to grieve. That we need to grieve those things when they happen. Hey, it's even all right when good things happen, like when people move on, you know, when we send people away like the Coes. Hey, you want, it's okay to grieve that. That's a loss. We've lost a close relationship with them right now. If God restores that sometime, great. I don't know that He will. But when you, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, moving on in life and it's a good thing. But you can still grieve even in the midst of a good thing because there's a loss. There's something that is lost in that moment. Be a losing a job. Now it's no big deal. It's just no big deal. I'm a a man. I can take it. No big deal. No, you, you may need to grieve that. You know why some people end up where they end up not even looking for work? is because they're overwhelmed with maybe they got laid off or whatever, something happened. I know Midland, you know, we're in a different place than the rest of the country, but around the country there's people that have given up. I mean, around here we can just say, dude, get a job. They're all over. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, there's jobs. 
But the rest of our nation, it's not. And some people, because they never mourn that loss and never deal with things, then they get to the place where they can't move on. That's why it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, because it's in the house of mourning that you can find healing. And you can be restored and move to a place where you can move forward with your life. So, we're not going to get to message two. That's good. Say, that's good, all right? (laughs) I wasn't even supposed to preach today. My wife was supposed to preach today. So, we had to rearrange the schedule with sickness and and work schedules with people. So, um, I want us to stand. Let's let's close and... and, uh, I want to pray for you. I feel like the Lord has already done a lot of ministry in our hearts uh, for those of us that are in need this morning. But, but uh, maybe something I said, maybe there's even something that, that I said, and I kind of sense that is, you know, that the Lord may bring up something from a while back that says, hey, you need to grieve that. You need to, you need to you know, grieve that loss of whatever that is. And, hey, that's okay, it's okay to, to grieve. It's okay, you know, it's not, it's not okay to just keep on feasting when you should be mourning. It's okay to grieve losses. And it's actually healthy for your emotions. It's healthy for your soul. It helps make your soul well. And that's why you can sing, it is well. Why could that man write that song? Man, because he was in the house of mourning. And he found the presence of God better than he ever did in some other places that he'd been and said, oh man, God, no matter what, it is well with my soul. So if that's you, just kind of lift up those things to the Lord. You can place your hand on your heart or whatever, whatever place, you know, whatever. If, you, if that's not you this morning, then maybe the Lord puts someone on your heart. Uh, maybe there's someone that he brings, the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. But let's just intercede for that, uh, with that for just a few minutes here. Lord, we just lift up our hearts to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to to move in our hearts, God. We invite you for revelation, Father. Lord, maybe it's a revelation of, of your presence in the midst of our darkness. Lord, we thought we were all alone in that place, Lord, but you were there with us. You were doing things that we couldn't even see. You were protecting us from further harm that we were even unaware of. That your hand was moving in the midst of those things. And we may question, Lord, why didn't you do more? And Lord, we may not know that answer, but we know that you were there with us. And we know that you heal the brokenhearted. That no matter what comes against us, Lord, those things that would come into our lives, your power to heal is greater than the power that we can have to be hurt. Jesus, you are the healer. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that that's for every area of our life. Lord, it's, it's for healing in relationships, Lord. It's healing for the brokenness of broken relationships. It's healing with tragedy and traumatic accidents, Lord. It's healing with, it, for, for things that happen when we lose ones we love, when things happen that we don't understand. Thank you right now, Lord. We choose to allow you in. We choose to allow the doors of our soul to be open to you. To allow you to move in us. Holy Spirit, come and move in our hearts. Bring healing to the brokenhearted this morning. For some of us, it's just a beginning. It's just a start. 
But the door, if the door is open, the Lord will come in and begin to heal. He'll begin to slowly bring restoration. He'll begin to breathe life into things that were dead. Dreams that were, that were killed because of what happened. Promises that you thought were left unkept, but God says no. My promises are true. They're yes and amen in Jesus. He's breathing life into our faith. Into our trust for Him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to us right now. Lord, when we lift up those, maybe there's someone on our heart. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's just lifting up our community. Lord, we lift up those who are in need today. We thank you, Jesus, that you have come to bind up the brokenhearted. Lord, and I see a lot of brokenness in our world, and so I ask for you to empower us. Give us eyes to see where we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Maybe it's just a hug like we received this morning, Lord, but it will be a hug with supernatural power where the presence of God will descend upon those people in that moment because we are empowered and moved by you and you are moved by the brokenness of people. And in that moment, healing is released. There's something released in that moment. Lord, there's so many who are hurting. Lord, we ask for the wounded to be drawn to you so that they might be bound up and healed. Lord, their wounds might be white, might stop bleeding. Lord, that it'll no longer be a, just a laceration that continually bleeds over every area of their lives, Lord, but they may be restored to wholeness. We thank you for that, Holy Spirit. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for leading us. We thank you for your truth, Lord. Lord, we choose to allow you to comfort those with the comfort we have received from you in our times of need. Lord, we comfort those who are in need. We do it by your power and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you still need prayer for something, I really encourage you, don't, don't leave. Don't leave today. It's real early. We've got plenty of time to get to lunch. Um, if, you need, uh, if you need to go, be blessed. And go bind up the brokenhearted.